Welcome everyone to uh, Jubilee. This is men's inheritance breakfast and uh, time to enjoy fellowship with one another. Uh, my name is Wes Karosby and uh, we're here to worship the Lord this morning. Uh, we're going to start with Psalm 27. Uh, I call this song, Whom Shall I Fear? Really what it's talking about <clears throat> is that when, when I seek your face, your face, Lord, uh, is what I'm really looking for. You know, you, the Lord says, come and seek my face. And, and when we respond to that, you know, with our heart, that's when we really make a connection. So I'm hoping this morning that all of us would be open to doing that, to, to opening our heart to seeking the Lord this morning. So here we go. One, two, three.
Let's do this one more time. When you said, Wes, let's bless ourselves. Yes. We are priests and kings in training before the Lord. Can we sing that? And really, I started doing that. I started, you know, may the Lord bless me. Yes. And may he keep me. May his face shine upon me. And it becomes a prayer of receiving. We don't have our overhead. It's Brian's in the East Coast, Boston, at a family reunion. And so we've got some. We have to work. We have to work like the old days when they didn't have words. But this is a song we know. Numbers chapter 6. Let me read this. So this is where this comes from. Verse 22. And the Lord said to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his son, saying, the high priest, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, 
The Lord bless you and keep you. So if you need to find it on your phone, I, it's number 624. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then the promise, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. So we can do it. We can sing it together. Just one more time. The Lord bless me. Let's just receive it. Lord bless me. as we are people who call upon your name. And as many as a call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not just the day we asked Jesus, believed in our heart that he was raised from the dead by the Father. But every day, in every way, we call upon your name. We are saved in every way. We receive today the grace that we're asking for to seek your face for this season, this hour, for our families, for your living church, for your purposes on the earth. We ask for grace and receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and bless somebody. Welcome someone that you haven't had breakfast with. Welcome everybody online. Thanks for joining us. You're a part of this. Uh, it, it, there's a, an urgency, an opportunity that's definitely in front of us. I'm glad you are part of that. And if you're joining us later or catching up, repeating, receive them the blessing for us as men in this hour to seek the Lord and find him. Praise Jesus. I'm going to ask, um, I'm going, Charles, to come up and give a testimony. Yep, Char you guys all, thank God for Charles. Without he and Lisa, we would be missing a portion of our breakfast today. But this Charles and Lisa, at the end of this month, first, of, first weekend of September, are moving to Fort Worth, Texas, which we have to begrudgingly right now let go and then full-heartedly let go on the last Sunday. But I'd like Charles to give a testimony because he's really carried our ministry as men. Let me see if I turn that on. I probably, oh, yeah. Can you, uh, oh, we're running, we're running There we go. Glory, glory to God. <laughs> Well, gentlemen, I, I just praise God for this men's ministry. We have always had a great time being here, and it's been, it's been marvelous. We've been coming here for about almost four years now. God uh, 
when we came to Camarillo to be with our daughter, granddaughter, and whatnot, as soon as we hit the ground here, I started looking. And interestingly enough, I looked high and low. And it was kind of funny because my lifelong friend said, Charles, there's a place called Jubilee. And I remember that uh, in, the, in the day, a lot of the people that we associate with actually came to Jubilee for conferences and whatnot. So I said, okay, I've been every place else. Let me come over here. And boy, I was so pleased to be able to find this place. I've been so happy ever since. I thank God that even as we came, the heart of the ministry opened up unto us. We were welcomed with open hands. And it's just been a pleasure to be able to do our best to let our light so shine while we've been here. Blessed be God forever. It was kind of neat because uh, my wife had the opportunity to, to get associated with Rosie and to really build up a nice friendship there. And they've been working together ever since. And it, for me, it's been great because I support her and all that she does. So that's one of the reasons why we've always been here on men's ministry and a lot of the activities that take place with regards to supporting meals and things like that. But I will tell you this, my heart has always been about ministry, about loving people, about letting my light shine. And as we are men and we get together, I always laugh because our lights, as we get together and we commune with one another, we actually cause our lights to grow. When you come into the presence of other people of God, your heart gets happy. I mean, I always think about, you know, it's not quite the same, but in a way it is. I think about, you know, when we think about the birth of Jesus, how when Mary met Elizabeth, all of a sudden Elizabeth, in her heart, she says the baby jumped. Well, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so when we come together, especially in times like this, right, because really iron sharpens iron, and the reason why we have men's fellowship is so that we can talk, build up relationships, because the things that I might be going through right now, maybe you've already gone through, and maybe the things that I need, you've already done. So we're able to lift up one another, but most importantly, when we come together, we cause our lights to grow stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's what I like. I like being able to come together. So when I'm with the body of Christ, it just makes my light shine. I'm so happy. That's why on Sunday mornings when I'm here and I'm, I'm seeing people, I'm greeting people, that's why my light can shine. I just like being around people of God. And you know something? We need to be able to take that light wherever we go. When we're in the streets, the highways, the byways, wherever we're at, we need to let our lights shine. And so when we're here, that builds that up. And I'm so thankful and grateful to be able to be here. And I've been so happy to have been blessed by being able to be a part of this. And so even as we get ready to depart at the end of the month, I'm still believing God that more and more people are going to be coming in 
to support and help to build up this ministry because God has a foundation here and the light of this ministry is going to shine throughout this whole valley. So let your confession be that the light in this house is going to grow stronger and stronger. And this place is going to continue to be a testimony that people are coming forth because God knows where the people need to go. There are a lot of hurting people out there, and they might not have come yet, but they're on their way. And so if you haven't, if you haven't reached forth, if you haven't stepped out and said, what can I do to be a part of it, I, I ask that you consider that. But at the same time, know this. God has more people coming in to support this ministry because light exists here. The Holy Spirit is welcome in this place. So blessed be God forever. Again, I'm, I'm so grateful to have played a, a small supporting role. And I just do mean small. I'm just behind the scenes kind of a person. But I've enjoyed every minute of it. I thank Pastor Steve for allowing us to be able to do what we've been able to do. And again, you guys have been a blessing to me, and I've been blessed to be here. I'm kind of, you know, it's kind of a little torn to have to leave, but yet I know God has a path for us. Sometimes, you know, you get comfortable, and, uh, you know, in the natural, sometimes, you know, we get comfortable, and sometimes we need a little, need a little nudge. But blessed be God forever. He knew where we were going to be today. He's with us every day. Each one of you, he's with you. Nothing takes God by surprise. All we need to do is by faith, trust him and listen. He's got everything under control. Well, blessed be God forever, Pastor Steve. Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I want you, yeah, let's all stand up because okay. when we pray for them, and you, we were just meant, we're going to bless them. I mean, really, we've learned anything in life is when God moves, you have to release and then go beyond it and sow. But that's so we can reap. And so we were talking, we're going to ask God for 10 Charles and 10 Lisas to multiply what we're doing. So would you release yes. that multiplication yes. in us? Yes. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I thank you, Lord, because even as Pastor Steve has said and even as we are in agreement with, we believe that as we go that we're being sown into that other piece of the body of Christ, into that other body, but we're being sown. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I get in agreement with Pastor Steve. I get in agreement with this body. And I believe, Lord, that those workers are coming here right now in the name of Jesus, that you're bringing them in. We call them here even right now in the name of Jesus. Because we thank you, Lord, that this lighthouse, Father, is blessed. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, even according to your word, even when you say, give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bosom, we thank you, Lord, that as we sow, we do receive. So we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for the infilling, for the fulfillment of that with regards to workers in this ministry in Jesus' name. And, Father, bless all the men. Let them continue to be lights in this valley, in this community, Lord, and wherever they're at. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.
Thank you, Charles. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Yeah. Praise Jesus. Go ahead. You can be seated. Welcome. Uh, John 10. I'm going to pull up my notes. I've also got the on. Thank you, Wes and worship team, Bill and Tim. Do you know all these guys play guitar and they can all play other instruments? Thank God for the versatility. Uh, let me just make sure I don't begin. Okay, I've, I've already done that. I don't know I'll have time to do Two weeks ago on a Wednesday night, we took Hebrews 10, 19-25. We made a, a path from starting there and went all the way around each portion of the verses, all 19, seven verses, and, and, and practiced this stepping into the throne room of grace before the face of God through the boldness of the blood, through the veil of the flesh of Jesus, with a high priest over us, drawing near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, our body washed with pure water, and then holding fast the confession of faith. And then from there, we can go out and uh, provoke one another, encourage one another to love and good works, not forsake the assembly of ourselves as a man or some is, but more importantly, the gather, collect, and, and as the day is approaching. So I would encourage everybody. It's, it's on the channel. It's not last Wednesday. Last Wednesday was phenomenal worship and we but this the Wednesday prior and it was about walking through Hebrews 10 19 to 25 and I did it online so you would be able to uh, participate that's the essence of how we seek God today as New Testament believers but rather than taking the nuts and bolts of that because it's there and you can go and get it I want to go a step further back or into the essence of what, what it is that God's doing when we seek his face. Or why would we say, hey, it's time to seek the face of God. Or why would that ever become a season to do so, and what's the purpose? So, uh, therefore, I'm going to start. I may do that. I'm going to start at Hebrews 10. Uh, yeah, if you'll, let me find where I am. How many have heard the term before, it's time to seek the Lord? Seek his face. Seek God. You know, it was a much more prominent thing in the Pentecostals and even in the Charismatic because it was something that was kind of saw, thought of there's something God's trying to do that I need to pursue him in order to obtain it. And it probably was very fresh because for about 50 years before Azusa Street and the, and the tongue-speaking phenomenon of the Holy Spirit baptism, there was a remnant of people seeking that which the scriptures declared that some said was already fulfilled and others said it can't be because we haven't, we're not having tongues, we're not finding that demonstration, manifestation of tongues. So there was a remnant of people uh, beginning in Kansas, moving to Texas, and then finally uh, Brother Seymour that, that just kept in pursuit. So we've been blessed ever since the charismatic renewal that all of those wonderful things have become readily available and uh, used to be, for instance, you had to seek God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which could lead people into lots of, of struggles and a lot of crazy things would happen. And people made fun of that because somebody would be say, let it go, and somebody would say, hold on. And, but, but the one thing we admit, we've lost now that it's readily available. 
we can lead people into the baptism of the Holy Spirit in a few minutes, get them speaking in tongues, it's there, is that we've, we, we can be like the church was 150 years ago, thinking we pretty well got it all, and there's nothing more to get that's not been already given. And I think we're right now, I feel for me, I'm in a big season of knowing there's so much more that yet to be received. And, uh, and I think as men, if we will come, come into that humility, there's a possibility of a great uh, blessing ahead of us. And we won't have to be a people that, um, you know, what happened with Jesus was here. Nobody could see any value of what. Here was the Messiah waiting, coming, and people were wondering, well, what's the big deal, you know? We already got it all. We, we already figured it out. We know what we're doing. We know where we're going as a nation. And they couldn't accept or receive what was being brought to them. So, Lord, I just pray today for my brothers and myself that we would be a people from the from the center of truth to which you've revealed to us in Christ Jesus, we would create, you would give us the grace of hunger and pursuit. You would show us what seeking you means. And more importantly than anything, you would put in us the, the, the call like you did to King David. When you said to King David, seek my face. And King David's heart said, your face I will seek. So above everything today, we want our hearts to respond and to move out of wherever they have grown dull or hard or complacent or indifferent. We want to come alive. May we be like the two men on the road to Emmaus, even though we may not recognize fully what has taken place. When we recount today, we'll hear that our hearts, they, they came alive. They were burning because of the word being spoken. Let our hearts burn. Let our hearts come afire again. In Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews, uh, excuse me, John 10 and um, verse 7 uh, to 14 or to 11. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheepfold. Were the sheep. All who ever came before me uh, were robbers and thieves, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, if you'll jump to uh, verse 25 or verse 22, this is a month or two later, same chapter, but a month or two later during Hanukkah, Feast of Dedication. Now, it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch, which would soon become the, ho the hosting arena of the new church to be born. Then the Jews surrounded him and they said, how long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you and you do not believe. You see, the reason we don't hear is we don't believe. We have to keep receiving what we're hearing in order to hear more of what's being said. 
Then the works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not my sheep, as I said to you. Now, back to the portion that we just read. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. There is the essence of seeking the face of God and the purpose for which we must give our attention and to, to be known. I've shared this with men. You know, the only thing I do not want to hear is, I don't know you. You can tell me everything else, as long as I've been known by the Lord, that I'm in. And it may, may, may have less of my reward that I could have had, and I may, but I'm not going to be sent out because I've practiced lawlessness and never submitted to being known by Jesus. But that's not an easy thing to do. First off, we have to hear his voice. The voice of God is in the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. I know this is maybe like, well, why are we keep on this one little thought? Because in my heart, I'm still, I'm still learning to do this and now more than ever feel the necessity to find the Lord in the new thing that he's saying and hear him. When, he, when I hear him, he doesn't come to affirm me in my life. He comes to convict me and bring me into his life. So it's never the kind of, oh, Steve, you're awesome. I love you. Man, wow, cool. We're going for it. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. There is real genuine love. I mean, I know no one else who loves me more than Jesus. And we'll speak. But his words are to wash me. His words are meant to present me to himself, a bride, a glorious church, without spot or wrinkle. His word is testing me. So when I hear his voice which I hear in the Holy Spirit speaking and in the Word of God. Without the Word of God, you can't know if you know the truth or not. Jesus made that point very, very clear over and over and over again. He said, then I know you. So I now come into an understanding. Tomorrow we'll t share about this, and I hope you'll help me. And then Wednesday we're going to start practicing a little more of how to intentionally be in the Word of God and hear God speak. The, when I encounter the Lord, I will be undone. I will not stand up. If I, I'm asking for one thing in my life right now, Jesus, stand up so I can fall down. And I'll be a dead man. And I don't want to get up until you put your hand on me. And I don't want to get up until the iniquity that you want to identify in me is undone, removed, taken off. And iniquity is, don't, it, it's, it creates all kinds of perversion, but it begins with the simple, I will. I'll do it my way. I know what I'm doing. I know what I need. I don't need any more. Don't tell me what I need. And that, once that gets in our heart, whether it's to our spouse, to our children, to anybody, and it becomes an attitude to God, and it becomes a hardening of a heart. So when we hear his voice, it's to know him. When we moved two years ago to the beach through a series of events that weren't any of ours, I thought, wow, this is the greatest thing. I'm going to be able to go and be close to the ocean. I always meet the Lord there. I'm going to get to surf. And it wasn't before we had moved in, the Lord said to me, I brought you here to know you. Now, I know that when I'm being known, I'm being undone. I'm not being boosted up because my flesh doesn't need a boosting. My flesh needs a cross. And that part of my, my flesh that's showing up, God says, you know, 
we're going to do something wonderful, but it's going to be me, not you. And therefore, you're going to, I'm going to deal with you. So I hear his voice. I, he knows me. When he knows me, I'm undone. Now that I'm undone and I see him for who he is, or as I want to say to every one of us, if I see Jesus, I will see me. First, I'll see me in me, my flesh, like Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, Adonai, our Lord Jesus, and his train filling the temple and the glory of God and the seraphim crying, holy, 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 the whole earth is full of your glory. And everything shaking, he cried out, woe is me, I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell with the people of unclean lips. Prior to that, for five chapters, he preached toward Israel, calling them out of their sin back into their covenant. Now he's identified with Israel in their sin and needs cleansing. And when he gets that cleansing, which is a coal from the altar, which you've got to be pretty desperate to put your lips toward a burning coal. But the angel brings the coal out of the altar and puts it on his lips. And then he says, your iniquity has been taken off of you and your sin has been removed, purged. And so he's been undone. He's seen himself. The remedy, which is only Jesus Christ, only what God has accomplished, only what comes from heaven has been applied and now he hears heaven. This time, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Who shall we send? They speak to amongst themselves. Who shall we send? Not who shall I send? Who else shall we send? And now this man who was undone, who was woeing, me, woeing and undone, who's now been purged and cleansed, says, here am I. Send me. I, I don't believe you. You can't. You can be 80, you can be 90, you can be 120, you can be 12. But you have to hear God to be sent. You have to encounter him in a, in a, in a moment that's, that you're wanting and welcoming that. So I, I share that because all of a sudden he says, here am I, send me. And all of us who know, and you know the Bible well enough, Isaiah, from that point on, all he speaks is Messiah, 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 Messiah. Messiah. But God gives him a message. The message he gives to Isaiah is that I want you to go and declare, seeing you will see and not perceive. Hearing you will hear and not grasp. For your heart has grown dull. And you see with your eyes, you hear with your ear, and, your heart, and you don't understand with your heart. Lest if you saw, heard, and understood, you would turn. So all encounters with God in my prayer closet have to result in me changing, not God changing. I'm the one that has to repent, not him. He's not coming to agree with me. He's coming to convict me to agree with him. And when that happens, as Jesus quoted, one of the most quoted verses throughout all four Gospels in the, in the book of Acts and even in the book of Romans is that, then you'll turn to me, and I'm going to heal you. That means I'm going to deal with the issue that you don't see, can't perceive, can't resolve, can't undo. I'm going to deal with that which is 
dependent upon me to heal. And when I heal it, now all of a sudden, we've got another opportunity to go forward together. So when, uh, and John quotes that verse in chapter 12 as he wraps up the ministry of Jesus, uh, all prior to now the narrative of the Passover to the cross to the resurrection. He says that John made that statement because he saw the glory of God. And the glory of God seen will always undo a man. There's not a story in the Bible where the glory of God shows up and everyone stands up. We all fall down. So having that said, I want to uh, take us to Isaiah 55. We're covenant people, and we are in Christ. And one thing that has been so, so satisfying to me, because I've probably been in this for two years of, of a posture in my heart, on not wanting God to come bless what I think or what I'm doing, but trying to be, receive the recognition of who he is and what he's doing. And that hum, humbling myself, trying to get to that ability to hear what he wants to say. It's been a, a process that's, that's like very, you, f you feel very um, naked because you don't, you're not resourcing from the past, even though the past was beautiful. You're not trying to re-bring re forward what was been done. You're trying to let go so you can receive. And it has been a wonderful to do, and here's the second wonderful part of it, is that because of the revelation of Jesus Christ for the last 13 years for me personally, and the high priest, and who he is, and how what God has presented in the Son, I understand that the entire Bible is Jesus, and the entire Bible is to bring me to Jesus, and that Jesus is the entire final word of God to humanity. He's the head of the church. He's salvation, he's healing, he's deliverance. So I have been practicing my seeking from the truth of the revelation of Jesus Christ so I'm not re going backwards and, and um, trying to uh, start off in traditions of men. I'm starting from the truth of God's word. I, hopefully I can give us an idea how we do that in a minute. But look at Isaiah 55. It's just a prophetic book. And if you can hear this as I want to hear this, I am hearing this for myself, I, I then shift my attitude because I believe seeking God is a heart issue. Without a heart that's soft, you won't seek God. You'll rebel. Without a heart that's believing, you won't hear God. You'll disbelieve and unbelief. So my heart's my condition. That's why David said, with my heart, I'll seek your face. When a heart is seeking the face of God, you may want to run away, but you can't run away because he's the only one that you have met that has what life, and you know whatever he's saying is going to be part of eternal life, and you don't want to just, you know, so you're in a conflict. How many have been in a conflict before? Where the Lord says, you know, here's who I am, follow me. And you're going, but I got issues. He says, I don't care, follow me. How? Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money, without prize. 
Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Jesus said, I came to give us abundant life. It's only found in him. But here, back prophesying from Isaiah 53, the beginning of the testimony of the Messiah, to 54, the, the prophet picture of the, of, the, of the bride coming alive, to Isaiah 55, which is so huge. There's abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. See, I have to... I am not doing God a favor when I pray or read his word. I'm doing myself the biggest favor I could ever do when I take the time and press through. Hear, and your soul shall live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. The mercies of David is Jesus Christ, the oath God swore to him. It's all found in Jesus. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. And he was the best leader and commander, but now we have our great high priest. We have our King Jesus. But surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Our identification is to come into Christ. Submission, recognition, trust, reliance. That's something we have to do individually and corporately. We can't do it corporately unless we're doing it individually. It's like praise on, on, a, on a meeting will be the measure of those who praise in the daytime in their own homes. Prayer will only extend to what is done in secret before it can have a public power. So he says, seek the Lord. And I heard this phrase this morning, while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I do believe in my heart there is this opportunity being presented to the living body of Jesus to turn aside from other things and to put our eyes on one thing, to seek the Lord, to be found, to find him, to call upon his name while he's near, to acknowledge a, a moment. Uh, Hebrews 3, Hebrews 4, three times he says, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the day of rebellion when your fathers tested me. So there's a great possibility when God starts speaking, we don't listen. When he starts revealing himself, we can't see. Our eyes are, are dimmed, blind. Our ears are dull. So the, the purpose of seeking is to prepare one, to receive one who's coming. He is so kind to us to tell us in advance, guess what? I'm coming. Seek me because I need to have some conversations because I need to know you. And we need to, we'll do better if we know each other individually now so that I can then lead you in the way I'm calling you to go. So seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. These are promises eternal in Jesus. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man is thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. So back to verse 7 again. Let the wicked forsake his way, and let the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. Psalm 139 
what we all love the psalm about us being fearfully and wonderfully made and how David declared that truth. He says, you have searched me. That's the first verse. And the word search is to penetrate. It's a piercing. It's a cutting into the very heart. And then at the very end, in the last two verses, he says, search me, pierce me, know me, yada, know me, and test me, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way of eternal eternity. This is the King David. There is no, like I said, it's not to, we, we've got to man up and let Jesus deal with us and not tell him to, not to be quiet about any things he does, we don't want him to talk about. He's after the thing that's hindering our future. He's after the individual issue that wants to, you know, the, the whatever mindset that we're living under that's not of his. And so he says, when he pierces and he he will lead me in the way of, if there's any wicked, idolatrous way, if there's any place of idolatry that's holding me where I'm trusting in the work of my hands or my ideal or whatever, and it's not him and him alone, he wants, lead me out of that. Lead me into the way of eternity and eternal life. So he says, let him return to the Lord. See, every day I go to pray, I'm returning to the Lord. This morning I got up really early because I needed to return to the Lord. Because the, because the, it had the, in, the, the day I've been undone throughout the day and processing being undone. See, it's the one thing about God is we can draw near with a true heart, meaning I can be honest. I can tell the Lord where I am and why am I here, why can't I get here. And I had a very strong time of just saying, Lord, I, I need you. I need your help. Because I can't get to where you are, and where I am is not where you are. But I know where I am, you were, but now you're moving on, and I need to follow you. I need to find you, and I need to know you over there. But I, need you. I can't unless you speak. And if you speak, then I'm going to be undone. And I'm going to be undone so that I can then be re remantled, renewed, and go into following. So the return to the Lord. Like, for instance... How do we return to the Lord? Malachi said, you return to the Lord. You say, well, what, how do we return to the Lord? And he talks to everybody about tithing and giving. Isn't that an interesting thing? That when our heart begins to depart from God, the first thing will be our money. Just will be, it's factual, it's, it's traceable. Jesus said, wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure heads. And if you, tra if you depart and begin to say, well, these things are secondary, third area, fourth area, the heart, you know, as they used to say in the old days, not so true today, but show me your checkbook and I'll show you your heart. But now everything's digitalized, so I have to see your bank statements. <laughs> but the point is, they said, how do we return? And he said, this way, actions, a reapplication of a discipline. So God will always get to us at a discipline level. If he doesn't deal with us as a discipline, it's just an idea. It's just thoughts that necessarily, but faith has to end into an action. Uh, another way we return to the Lord is in Hosea 14. Uh, if you mind, would you mind uh, going to that, and then we'll come right back to verse 7. Praise you, Jesus. I am so grateful. 
O Israel, return to the Lord your God. Now, I'm not, I'm talking to, O church of the Lord Jesus, return to the Lord your God. Let the body return to the head. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Iniquity is the willfulness of man in any and all expression. We are, to, we are a journey of submission to Jesus Christ, to the truth of Christ, to who he is, to his supremacy. It's a, it's, you're the source of everything. I'm returning to you. Return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. You, you don't know what you're stumbling over. Jesus would say, uh, while I'm with you, walk in the light. Because if you're in the darkness, you won't know what you're stumbling over. You've got to be in the light to see what, you're, what or the obstacles are that you've been... So it says, take words with you and return to the Lord. We'll get to that in a moment of exhortation. But God wants us to bring back to him his word that he's speaking to us. Because these words of truth, take words with you and return to the Lord and say to him, take away all iniquity. That's a good prayer. It's all been removed in Jesus Christ, but to be it functionally in my life, I have to have encounters with Jesus Christ and take ownership when he identifies something and go, you know what, that is total selfishness. And that is totally a lie. And I am very bigoted over here. And I live in anger. And I'm distressed. And I'm greedy. Unless those points are pointed out, if my own flesh and my own broken soul and my, my opinionated position, I will live in that little circle. And I'll be righteous in my own eyes. And I'll consider myself righteous by the way I compare myself to others. And because I'm not as bad as others, I'm better than them. Therefore, God receives me. A lie. I'm only received in Jesus Christ. I couldn't even stand a millisecond in his presence without burning up. He's a consuming fire. And so, take away our iniquity. Receive us graciously, for we will offer the sacrifice of our lips. Hebrews 13 tells us that the sacrifice of our lips is the a praise, is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. And it's the only place that the word confession is returned, changed from the word confession to giving thanks to his name. So the true Hebrew throughout the whole book of Hebrews is, let us give the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips, saying his name, Jesus. Because if I call on his name, I'll be saved, Jesus. If I call upon him in the midst of my troubles and struggles, I'll, Jesus, Jesus. And that is praise because there is no other greater praise than to acknowledge to the Heavenly Father the gift that he gave to the world in his Son and now that he accomplished in the resurrection and that praising him by saying his name. That's the sacrifice. And then the rest of the chapter is so perfect, but I won't take you there because it says that once that's happening, we can disengage from a lot of external structures that we're seeking to help get help from. And we can return to the one who is our help in everything. So back to Isaiah 55, please. Let's, let's follow this and see if these are our true words from the Lord. Verse 7, let the wicked forsake his way 
and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, for he will have mercy on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. See, as believers in Christ, all my sin has been remitted, and there is no more sacrifice for my sin except to acknowledge Jesus Christ in a real-time moment when he says to me, Steve, I have an issue with you. Yes, sir, you're right. That is who I am in my flesh. And that is who I've embedded my soul into. And I don't know what to do about that, but I know you did about, you dealt with all of it. So please, I, I receive, forgive me. Bring transformation to me. Bring change. That's why the body of Jesus is meant to be in a constant transformation process. From glory to glory to glory to glory. And so he says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. We drift. We drift. We drift. And then we have a whole slew of thoughts that are just nonsense because our thoughts are our thoughts. But our thoughts are not his thoughts. That's crazy to think that I could have a conversation with myself thinking I'm having a prayer meeting with God because I'm living inside of a thought pattern that's just adapted from someplace. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And again, Jesus Christ is his way. Jesus Christ is his word. Jesus Christ is the solution. There is nothing that we are facing that Jesus Christ is not the resolution to. So we have to back out of wherever we're looping that Jesus isn't this preeminence or supremacy. And that's what this returning or seeking and why it becomes so important. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and does not return there, but waters, water the earth and make it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. We're talking about when we live in the Logos, the entirety of the Scripture, then God the Father, the Holy Spirit, Jesus can speak to us out of his mouth. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my spoken word abides in you, you can ask anything and it will be done for you and you'll bear a lot of fruit. But he first had to say to his believing believers, I need you to abide in my logos, and then you'll be my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And because these were God-seeking Jews, they said, we're, we're not, what are you talking about? We're not in any of those blatant sins. We're not living as the Gentiles. We're covenant people, sanctified and all that. And they just got offended. And then Jesus had to go past the offense because God will always offend me first. They used to say and still do, God offends the mind to reveal the heart. He offends what's inside my thinking, my concepts, to reveal the state of my heart. If I get upset, then it's because I have a heart condition, not an opinion issue that had been challenged. It's an offense. So he says... It will accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I sent it, which is a returning, submitting back to the word of God. 
The Word of God is truth. The Word of God will be fulfilled. The Word of God has been spoken. It has been completed. It is accessible. It is in Jesus Christ. And it's, it's like, so my returning is like a beginning point always of just resubmission to Jesus and his words and Father's testimony. Uh, on Wednesday, we're going to go through First uh, John chapter 5 where we talk about the testimony God has given concerning his son and the power of that statement. For you uh, shall go out with joy, be led with peace. The mountains, the hills shall break forth into singing before all the trees of the field. They'll clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress tree. Instead of the briar shall come the myrtle tree. And it shall be, be the Lord for a name of an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Simply because a people returned and submitted again to the truth of God's word in action and function. So they, that's for me what's happening. Now, Deuteronomy 4, 29. Moses has to make a statement. It's the whole, the whole chapter is a perfect chapter because he basically recounts the glorious history of Israel. And you can, re, you can read it and turn it around and just say, uh, we, God has called a people for himself out of the world and out of sin and called us by the name of his son, Yeshua. And this has never been heard of, that God would go and redeem out of every people and tribe, nation, and tongue, a people for himself. And that's, but then he has to say in verse 28, go one, one verse up, because he has to say to them, you're all going to go into idolatry. You're all going to just take the ways of the world and readapt them and repackage them and resubmit to them and drive me away from you, and I'll have to drive you away from me. And so uh, he says, go verse 27. So he says, here's the outcome. And it's not, again, if you just admit it, then you don't have to deal with it as though some horrific moral issue. We just are drifters. We're wanderers. You know, we're fleshy creatures until we become spirit disciplined. We're soulish until we let that soul go on the cross and deny some of its demands. It's just a conflict that none of us want to admit. And But Jesus didn't say, he said, if you want to be my disciple, you'll have to deny yourself. You have to take up your cross and you have to follow me. And the cross is that thing in my life that I don't want, that I have to, can't resolve, that I was put there by someone else. And I don't know what to do about it except to pick it up and keep following Jesus. So the Lord will scatter you among the peoples. And you'll be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. How does that? I don't mean that in any kind of discipline of, I hate you, I'm now sending you all into exile. No, it's, I can't live with you. I have to let you have your way. You've got your own ideas about what I believe and what I think. And your value system is not mine. So I'm going to let you have your value system and have your way. And then we'll see where you are. Now, this, God put all our ways on Jesus and our iniquity on Jesus. So we can return so quickly. You see, that's the beautiful thing. As New Testament believers, we can return intentionally and completely forgiven fully to the fullest extent that God would reveal to me in my present state. 
I can be immediately rec recovered and thankful and worshipful. So he says, and there, and there you will serve God's, the work of men's hands, wood, stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat or smell. And that's those times when our life is futile. It's not working. We're practicing everything we know to do. We're trying to work it in this system, that system, this way, that way. And it's just not doing anything because we're serving systems of idols. Work of our hands is an idol, according to Scripture. It's something we build. It's a system we create. It's a means of salvation. Yes, we include it inside of Christ and we wonderful kingdom, but, but it nevertheless, in the heart of the matter, it's, it's a means to get something, and it's kind of its own entity. And God knows those things. I don't. I never know them until I know they're not working, until I find I gotta I gotta find something. So but but from there you will seek the Lord. This is Moses in the book of remembrance, before they've crossed the Jordan and possessed the land. From there you will seek the Lord your God. From there you start in where it isn't satisfying, where it isn't where life is not working. You don't I don't come and now say, God, I need you to do this and make it work better because what I'm doing, I want it, it's not working, so I need you to make it work. I have to begin and go, God, I don't know if what I'm doing is what you're doing and how you're working. I need to seek you. I need to find you. And you'll find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, now uh, picture this. When you are in distress and all these things come upon you in the latter days, when you turn to the Lord your God and obey his voice, seeking, hearing, obeying, knowing, being known, following. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not forsake you nor destroy you nor forget the covenant of your fathers which he swore to them. For ask now concerning the days that are past which were before since the day that God had created man on earth and asked from one end of heaven to the other whether any great thing like this has happened to anything like that you have heard, did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of fire as you have heard and lived? But we are in a higher covenant. We are the living church of Jesus Christ. We have uh, the opportunity not just the opportunity, but the charge. My sheep, hear my voice. And Hebrews 3.12 tells us very clearly that voice is shaking the earth and the heaven. And it's, it's, it's shaking anything that's made man, man-made, until God, only the things that are unshakable remain. So there's a lot of things that are dismantling because they are not of God's, it's not, if they're falling apart because they're being shaken. Uh, or did God ever go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation? Is it, have we ever heard of God becoming a man, going to the cross to pay for our sin so he could then secure a people unto himself, a bride that he could present to himself without spot or wrinkle? And he did it with, this, with, with the intensity that he's gone direct pull us out of, the, out of where we were when he found us. But he never stops. He never stops. And, and it's, not, it's not a thing to defend ourselves from. It's a thing to long for. Lord, 
I mean, you, my prayer, you hear my prayer, Lord, I need you to stand up so I can fall down. I know I will be undone. I know I, I have no idea what will happen when you show up to me, but I know you're coming to show up to me. You've already told me I brought you here to know you, and I know when I'm being known, it isn't a pleasant experience, but it is a liberating. It's free. It's, it's like weights fall off and excuses go away and, and blame is dismissed and grief falls off and limitations fall apart. It's just everything that, that has boxed us in. It just, and you're like I, uh, John on the Isle of Patmos. You're ready for a revelation that you've never yet seen before. And it's worth writing and it's worth heeding and hearing. So, yay, yay, yay. So let me share one last thing. Oh, we're get ready to pray. Go with me one last thing to James chapter 4. James and Peter are pretty hardcore believers. And when they write, they don't mince a lot of words. And therefore, I want you to hear this, and I want to hear this as a hard attitude. Okay, because for all the reasons I won't get into, we don't hear truth very well. We reject it rather than welcome it because it seems to point the finger about us being a bad, incomplete person rather than God saying, no, in my completeness of my son, these are unexpect, unacceptable attitudes of the heart. I want the heart issues resolved. So I'm coming to point, my, point in that place. And if you become comfortable. It's never comfortable. It's never comfortable because you're so naked when that's happening. And we're all known naked. We're all naked before the Lord. We're naked. We're not clothed in front of Jesus. So he sees everything for what it really is. And we see everything for the way we've presented it to be. So he's trying to dismantle our presentation so he can give us that encounter. So he says, where do wars and fights come from? James chapter 4, verse 1. Do they, come from, do they not come from your desires for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust, do not have. You murder, covet, cannot obtain. You fight and war. You, you do not have because you do not ask. This is not a message to unbelievers. This is a message to believers, to disciples. To followers of Jesus. So he's saying, okay, there's, you've got stuff that's going on that's not working. It's creating a lot of destruction. And you're not getting, you're in this, you just, you don't have because you didn't ask. Okay, well, I'm going to ask then for all those things I've been wanting. Well, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. Uh, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. So we all know what that feels like when we're asking for something that we just, feel like if I have that, it'll make my life better. And it can be maybe so, maybe not. But it, a lot of times it's because we're trying to, we're trying to create our own image of ourselves into our likeness that we want it to be. And we're trying to get God's prayer to work. And God said, wait a minute, wait a minute. You got this backwards again. Adulterers, adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? There is no way we can be love the world and have the love of the Father in us, according to Scripture. There's no way we can be a friend of the world 
and not have been enmity with God, according to Scripture. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, God does not dismiss me, cancel my salvation, and send me to hell. He just distances himself, leaving me to the situation till I wake up and go, it was better in my father's house before I had my own way. I'm returning. I'm returning. I'm returning. Do you not, uh, do you not think that Scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy. Holy Spirit is the name of jealous. God is one of God's names is jealous. So he says there's a conflict when, we, when I'm pursuing what God is not pursuing, when I'm wanting what God does not want from me, when I'm trying to do what I think has to be done that he's not saying must be done, and we're in this conflict. And so he says he gives more grace. Therefore, he... He says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humility is every, every blessing has to be accessed to humility. I am not able. God, you are. I cannot accomplish this. God, you have. I am not capable of believing, but you have. I receive what you've said. I submit to the truth. I submit to Jesus Christ. And it's just a, it's a bowing. Because then... He goes on, he says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee from you. You cannot get the devil to flee until you submit it. Meaning I have to submit to God. And I'm in a battle. My issue is with God. Once me and God are squared away, everything will take its course according to his will. And until it's squared away, then it's all just a classroom instruction. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. That's seeking God. So that's a posture. Cleanse your hands, your sinners. It means recognize what our hands have touched that are not of God. Where we've missed the mark. What we've built that's not of God. What we're doing is not of God. Cleanse our hands. How do I cleanse my hands? Lord, I ask you to please separate me and my actions and my works from what is not yours because I don't want to miss the mark, so I'm pausing. And a lot of times seeking God is a pausing part of our life where we're not running hard with what we already know. We're recognizing something's changing. I don't know the way I'm going, so I need to let go, let go, put it open-handed. Purify your heart, you double-minded. So my heart can have divided thoughts. I can have a believing heart, a doubting heart. I can have a soft heart in one area, a hard heart in another area. So it's got to purify. It's got to be one heart, one singular, simple heart. Lament, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into gloom. Wednesday, in our uh, noon prayer time, we were seeking the Lord for the evening service of worship. And so we were, did some worship, and then we just started to present ourselves to be a people that would be pleasing to the Lord, that this worship would please him, that it would be to him and not for ourselves. And the more we got into it, the more our hearts began to be brought to him. Lord, please, I don't want my heart to be hard, divided, I'm sorry that the way I have become indifferent 
I recognize that I am double-minded. It's a funny thing. You don't see things until there's a pot, a ma opportunity and a, and a position of the heart that says, you know, I can see these things. And now I can confess them. And if I confess them, then I am cleansed from the unrighteousness. And we begin to come back into a new fellowship. And have you ever been in an argument with your wife and she nails you? But you, all you're doing is defending yourself? And you come up with every excuse and every reason. And if you're, not, if you're not careful, if you're like me, you started blaming her, accusing her. It's not, it's not what I'm doing. I'm only doing what I'm doing because of what you're doing. You're the cause of what I did. It was the woman you gave me, God. You ever been there? You know, it just heightens. It just it escalates. You don't go anywhere until somebody snaps. And then later, the only way out of it is to come into repentance please, that was wrong of me. Please forgive me. I see what you're saying. But it's hard to see what you're saying because it's making me afraid. It's, you're attacking my identity. But, I, but obviously my identity is what I think of me, not of what God says of me. So I'm being defensive because I am looking at what you're saying and measuring it by performance. And so I'm just all discollaborated. But that's the best time. Because if you go through the conversation to the other side, why am I feeling so defensive? Why am I feeling so afraid? Why am I in this? Then you start to come into touch and feel and tenderness. And when the tenderness comes, then comes intimacy. Then comes reception. And that's what the, happens for us in the body. Humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord. He will lift us up. I just want to have so much to say, and I am preaching to myself, obviously, because I'm living this posture and practice, and I don't mind being candid about it because I have nothing of the past that I want to bring into the future, and I don't want to miss anything of the future that God's trying to bring to me now. So I can be very honest that where I've been, I don't want to be. And I'm not talking about living in sin. I'm talking about living in past moves, experiences, even mindsets where I've become self-righteous and I've become despising of others and I'm judgmental, critical. So I don't want to go. I don't want to live from there. I want to humble myself, come to that next place. Jesus is the truth. In John, in Ephesians 4, 21. It says the truth is in Jesus. So every time I am brought to the truth in the Scripture, the Scripture, he said, sanctify them by thy truth, Father. Your word is truth. The Logos is truth. It's, it's to bring me to Jesus. And it will change my behavior. Verse 22, put off the former conversation. But it doesn't change my behavior to get to the truth. The truth has to come to me to change my behavior. And I begin to go, oh. The Bible says in James chapter 5, if anyone wanders from the truth and someone returns them, they've saved a soul from sin and covered a multitude of sin. Saved a soul and said, covered. Wandering from the truth. Drifting from the great salvation. It's happening. And it happens to me continually. And especially after a long season of, of fruitful service or hard labor or conflicts. 
I drift. I drift away. I wander. You say, well, I don't know if I'm wandering from the truth. Well, when was the last time you were in your Bible? Are you reading the scriptures we're reading? Do you have a better reading? Are you more demanding than what I'm asking? Go for it. But I'm honestly, I want to put a challenge to men. You've got to read this Bible. It's going to soon become lovers of truth will have an access to the revelation of Jesus Christ, that those who have not received the love of the truth will be deluded and not able to see. It's going to get, the chasm is going to get bigger. As an example, take today's reading and just the New, the New Testament, but in fact, all of the, we're good, well, today we read was Acts 18, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 and 2, and 1 Samuel 25 and 26. And just read them today to yourself and see if what I have just taught is not readdressed inside of those portions of Scripture. You say, how could that happen? It's because the entire Bible says the same thing every day, every way, to bring us to Jesus. And only by submitting to this, when I'm disconnected from where I, I don't know where to get to, I can't get there just by spirit. Without the truth, spirit and truth, and I close with this. Smith Wigglesworth, recorded prophecy, said there would come a time at the last days when it would not be the people of the Spirit and people of the Word, but the Spirit and the Word would become one embrace by the people. And then would become the great awakening, the greater, a great revival. So it's not an either or, it's a both and. So I just beg you, I beg you, beg you, join me. And let's seek God together. Make your, make, find your location, regain your hour, Read the Bible when you don't want to. Make it the first thing you do, not the last thing you might do. Just, there's a, he's near. He's near. And he's coming. And we're wanting to get the oil in our vessel, not no oil. We're wanting to be ready to respond when the master comes. I'm not talking about his, the second coming or the rapture. I'm talking about just the next movement of God in the midst of his, of his beloved bride. Thank you. So let me pray. Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, would you move in us as men? Would you grant us each right now a charge? May we be as David and hear you say, seek my face. And whatever that means, may our heart respond and say, your face I will seek. May we give the time it requires in your scriptures and in your spirit May we be relentless. May we not be afraid of admitting or acknowledging of fruitlessness and captivities. And may when you address us, we not refute you, but agree with you. And may you know us, Jesus, know us, know me, that I might follow you into this next place of identification in Jesus Christ. Do it for us, do it for our families, do it over our children, grandchildren. Do it in your community, do it in your body. We're asking for this all, Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.